in five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the first video edition of the Whispery Mop Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series. I'm your host, Todd, middle initial C. Walker. Yes, that's right, it's me. And sitting next to me is my good friend, Ralph Hurchis. And the reason I brought him in for the first video podcast was we love to chat about music and life and all kinds of stuff. Hi, Ralph. Hi, Todd. I like the stuff part. The stuff? Yeah. I like stuff. Yeah. Expensive stuff. I know. And, and you have a lot of stuff as in toys, like kayaks, things like that. Tell me a little bit about what you have. Toys? Yeah. I uh, currently have um, four kayaks. Uh, two are smaller play boats. I've got two that are high-volume creek boats. Um, I've been kayaking for 15, 16, 17, 18 years. Uh, Year-round whitewater have gone on adventures and gone to off places and uh, had a uh, kayak partner Eric and we behaved like 13 year old boys on the on the river and we would challenge each other and push each other and do stupid stuff uh, and then he moved to North Carolina for, for a really cool job so I have lost my partner and it's like it's it's a dangerous sport and I I'm not gonna do it by myself um, so I rarely get out um, so those kayaks but you Speaking of dangerous, I mean, you did what? What do they call them? Class five rapids? Uh, I can do a class five. I can't do a class five river, which is continuous fives. But on a on a really hard um, set of rapids, you would get out of your boat and you would scout it, and you would say, "I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this," and kind of figure your way down it. But if you're doing an entire river, you don't have time to get out for every rapid. It's continuous. You got to go, got to go, got to go, got to go. So. I'm, I'm a class four, or was a class four. Um, now I guess I'm a three. <laughs> I've been demoted. Well, if, if you're batting 300 in baseball, you're a really that good is hitter. That is true. So not, yeah. not to worry about that. Yeah. Now, you are also a guitar player, and that's how it kind of fits into the uh, right. podcast. And tell everybody the guitar that you've known <clears throat> for a long time and, and that you play. I play an Ovation Folklore. I got it December 13th, 1976. Saved my lunch money for a long time. Um, it is a steel string classical guitar uh, because I'm a finger stylist, and so I need a wide neck to get my fingers in all those places. Um, and it costs a lot of money, and even now um, they sell for a lot of money. It's a wonderful guitar. It sounds beautiful. The technology, of course, is dated, but, you know, I still, that's, that's my baby. Well, for someone who likes to play outdoors in the backyard or go to the beach or whatever, that, um, what's it called, Dynacord or something, Lyricord or something like that, plastic back, which from what I understand was the material that um, they used to make helic helicopter blades. So oh, okay. it's extremely strong. I didn't know that. The, it means it's not as susceptible to humidity changes like an all wood guitar would be. Okay. And I owned, I've owned two or three ovations. I have that one I, I told you about mm -hmm. that's sitting on the floor right over there, which is their first foray into traditional shapes <coughs> with wood back and sides. Very inexpensive. Sounds actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. I have to have a little work done on it to intonate it a little bit better. But ovation, I mean, everybody played those back in the day. Back in Cat the day. Cat Stevens, Glenn yep. Campbell made them famous. Yes, he did. Um, Mac Davis. In fact, anybody who performed on the Glenn Campbell show and Mac Davis show, I think, played an ovation. They probably had some sort of a sponsorship. Oh, there you go, yeah. You know. Uh, Nancy Hart. She yeah, played one. America played one for America a while. Played one. Yeah. Jim Croce played. They mm -hmm. were they were the thing. I can remember going to a 
and I've forgotten the name of the music store in Bangor, Maine, when I was at the University of Maine with my older brother and my buddies, and we would go in and drool over the wall of Ovation Guitars because they were the thing at that point in time. Yes, they were the thing. Yeah. And you don't see them as often. No, I've, I've only seen two, actually, since I've been out yeah. playing. It makes you unique. Yeah. I like that. As if you didn't know that before. That's right. So now tell me a little bit more about your style of guitar playing, because it's not the traditional no. way of, of writing and singing or playing. Correct. Um, I'm a, uh, actually a springboard diver. and I'm A springboard diver? On a, yes, at the pool. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. You do do that. I do do that. Okay. still do that. Did that this Sunday. Um, and I'm self-taught. All right. So you look at people do things and you're like, okay, how did they do that? And then you, you try to replicate it. I am self-taught on the guitar. My, the two buddies that I had in college, which is when I began playing, um, they were doing original music, though they knew uh, covers as well. But they taught me to play your own stuff, which is, we get back to stuff. Stuff. Yeah, stuff. It's a great word. It is. Um, so... My one buddy, who was a drummer and played 12-string, taught me uh, House of the Rising Sun. Okay. My other buddy, who was the finger stylist, he taught me uh, Sing Terry O'Day, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Mm -hmm. Those are the only two songs I ever learned. And what they said was, play your own stuff. These are t techniques to how to get you going. So from there, um, I have been playing since the 70s, writing since the 70s. As of to date, I have 77 songs. Um, 68 of them I had before I got married. And then when I got married, it was like dry for 16 years, right? So now I'm not married and I started up again. I'm retired, so now I'm starting to play. And I'm having to back up and learn how to play these things that I created all those years ago. Oh, because you've forgotten most of them. Well, I'm, if them. you're not playing it, it's yeah. like, you know, what is a chord actually? Because, you know, mm -hmm. I don't notate anything. I can't read music. Um, I have uh, many cassettes, which dates me, of course, of all my music. So I'll sit there and play that over and over. What is that? What is that chord? What is that? You know, how did that, you know. So I'm spending, uh, I'm retired, so I'm spending all my time learning my material so that I can go out to open mics and play. Um, so I, I think I have memorized currently a half hour of my material, which is not much, but it's like it's every every day, every week, I'm practicing something that I don't know, which I created how many years ago. Well, and you've also begun to perform live at open mics. Yeah, I have. And so the pressure's on because I, I don't want to play the same thing at the same venue, so I have to learn new material, my material, I have to learn my new material. And so I'm constantly going at this, and, and I got you know a chart. I'm going to play this place in two weeks, and this place in three weeks. So what am I going to play there? What am I going to play there? And so I'm hustling to try and learn it. Mm, it's interesting how the brain slows down. Remember when you were in school and just like you had to study stuff and you could pick stuff up really quick? Mm, not so much anymore. It's like I have to work harder. But then I'm thinking, well, my brain will pick up too. And I'll know how to do this. Now, are you finding performing live to be somewhat nerve-wracking? Or some people just, they never seem to get nervous. Or even when they're nervous, they don't appear nervous. So what's it been like getting back into, you know, singing your songs or playing your, your tunes in front of people? 
professionally, I, I have um, spoke at conferences and have run meetings in front of large groups of people, so I don't have trouble with that. Um, but I'm learning that each venue is totally different mm -hmm. in terms of the acoustics, in terms of the, the electronics used, and the, the people that are in attendance. So I do this one, which is um, uh, Frederick Arts Council, the open stage, and it's not mic'd. And so acoustically, there's a sweet spot. I just stand in there, and, and I'm doing fine. Uh, another place, the host is kind of a... He, unlike you, sir, um, <laughs> he does not he does not fit the sound to the individual performer. He starts, he sings, he sings loud, he plays loud, and that's what he sets it at, and he doesn't touch it. And so everybody comes in, falls into that, and I like mm, struggle with that a little bit because I'm not sure what the sound is coming out. Um, and then there are other places like like Sky Stage. I had wonderful acoustics and reception. I really enjoyed it. Um, there are other places I haven't played yet that I'm looking forward to. Well, it's nice. And I don't go to the open mics anymore, and I ran them for so many years. But I do enjoy when I do go on Facebook, which is not often, mm -hmm. to see the photos that are taken at the open mics, whether it's at the, the pantry or Sky Stage. And almost every time you're in one of the photos. I'm trying. I'm. I'm. So you're out I'm there. I'm hustling. Yeah. 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 Which is fun. It's like I have worked my entire career uh, in mental health uh, with children and adolescents, and having worked that long, it's like now it's time to play. Because mm -hmm. as you and I have talked over time, ever since I was a young punk, I wanted to you know learn music and play and you know, but uh, during college I did it for a while, but then you know life catches up to you and you have a family and you get a career and falls by the wayside. So yeah, it now, becomes a secondary thing that yeah. you fit in when you can. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you can't make it a priority because you gotta put food on the table. So how would you describe your musical style? Interesting. Um that's a good word. Uh, interesting? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's so you have an it's interesting inter style. Um I have an interesting style. It is um I'm, because I'm not a rhythm player necessarily, though I have a few rhythm pieces, um, I I don't work within the box that that a lot of people will do when they when they finger. I, I play up and down the neck, so my my creations are uh, non-traditional in their in their makeup. So I may. Start up here and be ending up down here, and but it's melodic mm -hmm. and it works. And then the the lyrics to these com compositions vary tremendously. I have some very dark songs. I have some very light songs, very happy songs, mm -hmm. um, because my passion has been philosophy. Uh, wanted to be a philosopher when I was in college, and ended up being. Uh, going into psychology, because once again, if you go philosophy, what are you going to do but teach philosophy or make pizzas? So, <laughs> so you know, I, psychology, at least you could earn a living, which is what I did. But my passion has always been philosophy, and I read a lot, or I did, back in the day. And so I, some of the subject matters that I write about uh, are, you know, political, social commentary, um, 
the plight of children is always on my mind. Like right now, going forward and learning my music and getting back out into presenting, I would like really, really, really a whole lot to figure out how can I circle this around to help kids? Because that has been my life's work, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's got to be a way that my performing, my music can help children somehow. I haven't figured that out, but that would be my, my wish. Well, in, in the songs that you're trying to help children in whatever way you can, are the songs more directed at the parent or the child themselves? Is it her song? I have, I have um, songs that speak to the child. I have songs that speak to parents. I have songs that speak to uh, society as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's when you... S- Songs just come to you. You, yeah. you don't know where they came from or thank you for sending it to me. But, and then you just write whatever's on your mind. So when you write a song, or as you are penning it or thinking about it, and you think, well, this one might be a good one directed towards the children themselves, do you alter the, the vocabulary in other words, it's different than it, if you I'm, were I'm writing not, it to parents? I'm not that logical about it. It is when inspiration hits, you just go with it. So how it ends out or ends up, um, there's not a whole lot of logical processing to that. It's just you're in the flow, you're in the moment, and you write it. So you're writing from a more emotional standpoint. Yes, probably. always. always. It has to, if, if it's not the emotional piece, it's not going to work. So you wouldn't make it in modern pop music? I wouldn't even try. <laughs> Taylor Swift is, is safe. She's totally safe. <laughs> totally safe. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's an industry. And now with AI, you're going to be competing with it because they'll start yeah. making music. And they'll not even they'll write the lyrics and do the music and composition and, you know. And they may they, be able to do it in your voice. Uh, exactly. And technology will put my face to it. Yeah and, yeah, and there's his face right there. That's right. Or right there, yeah. the other camera. Yeah. So, you know, AI is going to, as soon as you do whatever you're going to do with this stuff, AI will have access to it. <laughs> Where there's no place safe. Now, you had recently watched the video, I think I was the one that told you about it, a McCartney 321 or 123 yes. or whatever yes. it is. Totally impressed by that dude, how he could, and he's older than we are. Yes, he is. Um, and he can recall details. Mm-hmm. He can spontaneously pick up a melody line, go to the piano and play it, and then and improvise off of that. It was, just, it was, and he, it was so, and I marvel at a lot of musical people because it's in their blood and in their movement. And you can, when you, when you observe them either playing or listening, they're moving. They're they're hearing. They're moving. They're bouncing. They're the, the, their foot, their hands, something's keeping time. And that's how he was. He, he was constantly in movement. Singing with your body. Yes, singing with your body. Mm-hmm. Whether you're actually singing or not, but yeah. I am very conscious of that because I don't, evidently, the few videos I've seen of myself mm-hmm. performing, I don't move much. And I have friends who are, their feet are like dancing <clears> while <throat> they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying, not so much in the last three years because there wasn't as much performance, live performance because of the pandemic. But prior to that, I was attempting to at least tap my foot or move my knee side to side or 
turn slightly or, or something, and I find it very foreign to the way I perform. So I don't want to be a statue. Uh, in earlier discussion, we talked about guitar doodling. Yes. Um, I think your term was noodle. Mm-hmm. But I heard it, and because we both do art, I thought of doodle. And so I do guitar doodles. <clears throat> and when I do a performance, I start with guitar doodle. And all I do is I just uh, start making stuff up on the, on the fretboard. No preconceived idea at all. But it gives me an indication of um, whether I'm in focus to this performance, um, if I'm having trouble uh, with the ability to compose on the spot, then I may reconsider the, the, the song performance that I'm about to do and maybe do something that's not as technical because a lot of my stuff is technical. I have to hit notes all over the place. And so um, months ago, it was in the fall, and I started with Sunset, and I would uh, sometimes have a drink, but I would watch the sun go down. I love Twilight. And while I did that, I would just make up stuff on the fly on the guitar. And then I said, I need to master this more. And I started putting on my guitar strap and going into the other room. And I would guitar doodle as I would walk and I'd sway and I'd move. And like you, trying to bring movement into what I'm doing. And I have a couple songs where it's like really bouncy. And I can sit there and I can do this and do this. And and it's like, it flows. so yeah, I'm, I'm trying to unleash um, that ability because it's there. That, that's that's a, a good way of saying it because we are, we're not necessarily taught this in our society, but so few of us, and I'll include myself in that, are able to unleash or open the doors to the mind to allow things to happen because we're so worried about, well, if I, if I, if I do that or say that, that's not going to look good or whatever. And so unleash is a good way to put it. Okay. So 40 plus years in mental health, uh, working with children and adolescents. So nothing I'm trying to kid off quicker than an adult, mm-hmm. right? So I have learned to tap into my inner child and I play. And whenever I'm in a, a professional context where I'm at a training or I'm <clears throat> Uh, asked to do something, and I don't know what it's going to be, I will <clears throat> focus, bring out my little child, and say, all right, do it. Just whatever happens, it's yours. And I don't care. You know, it's the ego's out of this. The little boy will go and say whatever, do whatever, and play, and just it, he is free. <clears throat> so when you do these Froggy. doodles, mm-hmm. and say you're, you're watching the sunset, mm-hmm. and you're just doodling, or as I say, noodling, mm-hmm. And you like what you're doing. Oh, my phone is right there. Oh, you do record it. <clears throat> if I'm, and I, I've done that, uh, found interesting little patterns and record them and maybe use them later, maybe not. Or maybe it'll be much later that I use them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've stored them. Um, do you name them? No. Give them titles? Um, <clears throat> if they develop into. Um, Song potential, yes. It's like, uh, um, and I have a number of, I have, I'll, I probably have at least a dozen um, musical pieces in the queue that I can make songs out of. I just don't have that inspiration 
that comes from where the creator, whoever gives it to you, that says, <coughs> I just, actually, there was, um, I was in a basement working out. It was an off day. I wasn't supposed to go to the gym. I was working out and I play my cassettes down there and I'm trying to <coughs> organize what is there. And I found this piece from 1979. Wow. You know, and it's like, whoa, that's really cool. So I get my iPhone, I record it. And I say, how did I do that? But I liked it. It's like, you know, this is a song, has song potential. And then that, came, that became my next piece of work and I actually made a song out of it. When it's a pretty good song. Not great, but it's pretty good. So what's that song called? Um, news, Newsfeed. 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 Okay. Now, how do you come up? Oh, actually, no. The, the other one I'm working on is Newsfeed. This one is uh, Summer Breeze. So do you title them based on the emotional feeling you get from it? Boy, that sounds like Summer Breeze. Sometimes it's just, it's just arbitrarily name it something. It's like um, one of the finest pieces of music and composition that I own, I did the very first year I was composing. And the guys I was hanging out with, I didn't name it. And they said, you got to name that. What do you just name that? You got And it just, they were rattling me. So I looked at him and said, okay, the title is number eight because it was the eighth one I'd written. That makes sense. It, hey, and it, it's a great song. It's like, you know, they, they talk about composers and when they, they're only good in their youth, yeah. right? And it's, it's, it's amazing what I created not knowing anything back in that day. Um, and then things became more sophisticated. But, and then now that I'm back at it, I've hit pay dirt a few times. I got some nice things, but I, titles are just—I don't know. Now I know why the Beatles on the White Album had that song <laughs> number nine. Number nine. Because they couldn't choose number eight. That's because right. Ralph number had already done it. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Whoever comes first gets, that, that's, gets the that's, call the rights. That's how it is. That is correct. <laughs> so, what's your favorite candy? If you like candy, uh, it would be dark chocolate with almonds. All right. And that's the only thing I eat. How about your favorite ice cream flavor? Chocolate. Favorite pie? Cherry pie. When I was growing up, I don't like cake. I don't like the sweet, the bit, I don't like cake. Unless it's like a bread cake with nuts or something like that. Um, but I didn't want a cake. I asked my mother for a birthday pie. Yeah. A cherry pie. So that's what I got. It is amazing how, because when Carol and I were married, it's going to be close to 10 years, we were discussing the food. And she said, well, what do you think about pie? I said, I like pie. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that went after the food was the pie. And there was a full cake sitting there. People only ate it because there was no pie left. And it seemed like the ones who ate the pie first were the guys. Interesting. Um, I always had trouble going to birthday parties because that's what you got was cake. Has kind of depending on the cake, and I agree with you. I like a more substantial cake with. I I love walnuts if they're mm -hmm. roasted, yeah. but I'm slightly allergic to walnuts. So if they put walnuts in cake or cookies, I have trouble with that. But I like things like that in raisins and so forth. Mm -hmm. But the traditional cake, as much as I loved them as a child, I find them to be somewhat cloying or you know, kind of almost syrupy. Too sweet. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's like the taste is being painted on as opposed to 
absorbing, I guess. Whereas the, in, you know, a pie, I'm just, you can just savor the taste. Uh, a lot of people think cake is just a delivery system for the icing. Well, that would be true. Yeah. Because what's the first thing you eat? I eat the icing. And I save a little bit at the end, so that's the last thing I eat. Okay, that's dessert. <laughs> sort yeah. of like roast beef. I like that end cut that's all kind of crusty and mm -hmm. things like that. And I learned, because my dad would always, I'd always say to my dad, well, the rare times we had roast beef, was, can I get the end cut, Dad? Sure. He put it on my plate. It wasn't until I was probably in college, or maybe even after that, I found out that was his favorite cut of uh -huh. roast beef, and he never said that. He always gave well, it to me. Weren't there, weren't there two ends? Well, you've got the big end and then the kind of the rounded end, uh -huh. the end of the football. The rounded end is part you like. Yes, yeah. and that's okay. what he liked, he liked as well. Okay. And so being a true parent, he allowed his child to have what he thought was the best cut. Way to go, Dad. Yep. I'm impressed. He was also my Scrabble partner. Do you like Scrabble? Um, I don't play games um, particularly. I will. And of course, I have two children, so I have. And I got two grandchildren, so I will, but not typically. Well, you write songs, though. I do. Okay, it's a form of Scrabble. You're putting words Con together yeah. as yeah. opposed to letters to make a word. Yeah. I think, I don't know. Don't do games. So, not board games, not sitting games. In that, of the, of the you said 77 songs and about 60 some odd were written before you were married. Correct. Then what type of a time span was that? 16 years in between. No, no, no. When you wrote those initial group. Oh, oh. Um, 12, 15 years. Okay. So fairly prolific. In a, in oh, a, yeah. So I, I, um, I carried my guitar everywhere. I did. Um, when I was married, I did a 100-day trip in Europe uh, on the Eurail Pass and carried my guitar all over Europe. Uh, when I got out of the military, uh, I went to see a girlfriend in Portland. I carried that sucker on the sissy bar at the back of my motorcycle all the way across. Mm. And interestingly enough, that's when I wrote my first song. On that trip out there to see my girlfriend in Portland, I wrote a very just basic kind of a tune, but it was my first. Oh, cool. Yeah. So now, was like, this the same ovation that you have now? Oh, I would not put that on a bike, no. 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 What did you have then? Um, Yamaha? No, I think it was a, it's like a, the, a silver tone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's like, you know, it took me a long time to save up my lunch money for the ovation. I was reading an article in Fretboard Journal over the last couple of days because a lot of times, if I don't have a, a novel that, are, that I'm reading, mm -hmm. and I like to read before I go to sleep. Oh, yeah. Uh, the fretboard journal, it's its more feature articles as opposed to the short one page, half a page thing you get like an acoustic guitar magazine. And there was this, I guess he's a performer, but he also likes to take old beat up guitars and put them back together. Not necessarily, he's not restoring them, he's just making them playable. So he may add a neck from a different brand guitar. And one of the ones he loves to, to work on is Silvertones. Oh, really? Yeah, and the a lot of those older guitars, they were uh, built by one or two companies, and the early ones before the nineteen late nineteen fifties and early nineteen sixties, when the folk craze hit and the guitar right. craze, they were actually um, fairly good guitars. 
And so if you can find an old one like that you, that you can restore or work on, you might end up with a really nice guitar. I pulled it out of the attic the other day. Did you? I want to mount it on the wall. Okay. Yeah. Now, a lot of guitars that are stuck in attics because of the heat and cold and whatever. Implode. This one fared okay. It's not you know, warped or cracked. Or... That means it was built yeah. sturdily. Sturdily. <laughs> Is that word? <laughs> So what is, of all the songs you have written, <clears throat> mm -hmm. do you have a favorite? And if so, what's the title of it, if you can recall? Um, of the recent material, it's a breakup song that I titled You and Me. And I, it's an odd story. Um, so I had a lady friend that I met during the pandemic. And, of course, you couldn't go into, into clubs and stuff. So we spent the entire relationship doing hikes and you know, outdoor cafes and all those sort of things. And when I first met her is when I wrote the breakup, breakup song. I know. It's like a predictive thing. It's like, it's just <clears throat> but I really like it. I like, I like how it was all come together as an interesting intro. Um, that is a favorite. I, I got all kinds of favorites. Um, the one I, the, the classic number eight mm -hmm. um, is really dark. Um, so when I was in college, I took an experimental music class uh, and they had Moog synthesizers and I got an A in that class. But for the final uh, exam, you had to create an original piece and present it to the class. And this is back in the day of reel-to-reel -reel recorders mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and so I, what I did was I plugged in or jacked in my guitar into the Moog, made the settings, and I played number eight. Oh, wow. All right? And it's, on the normal speed, it sounded really cool. But if you turned it up to the higher speed, it was really cool too. So I said, I'm going to play my final, um, tur uh, turn it in, but I, I need to play it on both speeds because it's, it's an interesting sound on depending on how you do it. So I played it, and it just baffled everybody, and the teacher just had to know how I did that. How did you do that? How did you do that? And then when I told him, I jacked my guitar, and he was pissed. Why? Because I didn't use the keyboard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're keyboardists. They're, I'm not yeah. a keyboardist. It's like, no. I just did the settings, and you know, then I jacked in and played. <laughs> you know, you would think... And, and, and this was a pet peeve I had, I've had my whole life with teachers, yep. professors, whatever, yeah. is they want you to be creative. Within this, within this box. But it has to be within their box. Yes. And I'm not in the box. I'm not in the box. Not musically. Now, many of these things you have on cassette? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got years and years and years and years and 30-some cassettes. Maybe what I will do is I do have a cassette player. And I'm trying to remember if I can feed that into my computer. If so... Well, not, not to cut you off, but I bought a machine that I can transpose that to digital. So that, that is my intention. So I've been cataloging what's on the cassettes and finding the clearest version of a particular song because I'll do a song, maybe that same song, four times within right. it. Right? And then digitize it. Mm -hmm. So that, that is my intention, catalog it all and then pick them out. And then at the same time, I've been um, fishing for new material. 
because there's old stuff in there that was cool. Well, and I'm sorry, folks, we don't have any of Ralph's recordings for this podcast, but maybe in the future we can revisit that and have some sound files Mm -hmm. and you can chat about them because now that you've, my brain is going, I wonder what number eight sounds like. I wonder what Summer Breeze sounds like. And no, we're not going to take your phone and, and I was play it say. the microphone. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're on my phone. But it, but it would be fun to do. I, yeah. Because everybody's style, well, I, I say this. People who are creative and not just mimicking a Taylor Swift or yeah. whomever, everyone's style is different. Yes. It's specific to them. And I'm always curious what that sound is. You know, doing the open mics and hosting the open mics, since we talked about that earlier, I was struck by so many of the young kids, and they were usually high school, mm-hmm. who would come in, and they might have, they might play guitar well, they might sing well, but they were doing cover songs, and they were trying their darndest, and I do this sometimes when I play cover songs, to sound just like mm-hmm. the person, which is fine, because you learn that way, but then when they say, well, I have an original song, and you listen to it and you say, well, no, that's the Taylor Swift, Swift song you just sang. Because they, they haven't learned how to become themselves yet. Correct. And the beauty of, and that's one of the reasons I do the podcast, is for there's so many of us who we're never going to be a famous guitar player or singer on stage at the Grand Ole Opry or wherever it's going to be. And so the open mics were one way to get people's music out to others or the public mm-hmm. but the podcast was mainly because i love backstories and the podcast was my way of learning more about musicians or performers to get into their head as to why do you do why'd you do this you know what made you write that how many podcasts you have i think we're up to about 90 whoa so i haven't done a, a in the last primarily different people Oh, yes, I've only duplicated people maybe three times. Okay. And that was mainly when someone's passed away. Ah, okay. And I maybe interview people who knew that person, mm-hmm. and we chat about it, and then thinking about it, if I have a CD of their music or recordings, I may do one specific to them and just talk about them a little bit, just me, and play some of their songs. That's cool. The um, But I love backstories. I like it in movies when they have the extras where they – they oh, okay. Talk yeah. about things, you know, oh, when we made this, we were out in the middle of a field, and the trick was to get power because we were too far from civilization. So how did we do that? We had a generator, but we had to mask the that's, sound of the generator. Right. I love that kind of stuff, and I like it in music as well. Um, I listen to a lot of other podcasts, and what I've discovered is some of my favorite, and not even my favorite, but some of the recordings of acoustic guitar that sound incredible and yes some of my favorites were recorded on a fairly inexpensive guitar it just for that song or that tune it sounded incredible go figure you know and many performing guitar players both electric and acoustic the touring guys the ones who are like the background musicians Mm -hmm. i would think they're playing the top shelf everything and the question will be asked of them, so what guitar are you playing now? Oh, it's a beat-up old no-name guitar I bought in a pawn shop in Seattle when we were touring. I just think it's cool. You know, to me, it's like, well, why wouldn't you be playing a Fender Strat or something right, or a right. Les Paul? No, I like this. 
And that's just, that's part of that whole creative and emotion. We're talking about emotion. Well, and you can take a very talented guitarist and give them a beat up guitar and they can do stuff with it. They sure can. Yeah. So not the chops are in the fingers. You can give me a really expensive guitar and it's going to sound like a cheap guitar. I heard you, buddy. I, that is not <laughs> correct. <laughs> well, this has been fun. Are you enjoying it? I am. It's um, making me think. It's like, oh, so yeah. Well, see, the one I always thing. enjoy this. You're, well, I, it's not that you're doing it. People say, well, who's going to interview you, Todd? Well, nobody, because nobody's going to interview me. Oh. The reason is what I'm, what I'm. Let's do a, let's do a podcast where I interview you. Yeah, I am amazed. No, no let's do a podcast where I interview you. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, Ma- let's do a podcast where I interview you. Maybe in the future. Maybe in the future. Okay, we got that on tape. But so often. That's a good idea. Is when I ask a question or ask for some sort of explanation to go further into what was said. I can tell that the person who I'm speaking with has thought about it or is thinking about it as they're speaking. Mm-hmm. And you can probably hear my stomach growling. I hope you can't. But anyways, maybe you folks can. My chai is not holding me yet. Oh. But anyway, the my concern would be, because I love to chat, as you know. Uh-huh. Blah, 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 blah. Wait, two hours at a clip, easy. Yep. And my concern would be if someone's interviewing me, I would just blab and be off topic. Well, a good interviewer will circle you around. That is true. Yeah. So have you done? I have. Your- I have run lots of meetings, sir. So I I know when people go off off queue and it's like, no, come back. Well, now do you when that happens? Do you allow them a little bit of time? Of course, you have to. And then then you know, kind I mean, of bring them in slowly. Unless it's a repeater. Yeah. And then I'm much quicker. Yeah. And I can think of times where, no, I'm just not exactly rude, but I'm getting my way. It's my meeting. Well, yep. Yeah, if it's your meeting, then yeah. absolutely. And if you're you're leading the meeting on a topic that needs to be discussed and they're getting off into something right. else that can be done at a different time. Yeah, right. absolutely. Plus you can watch everybody else and they're like rolling their eyes mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, they're talking again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I've often wondered how many people, I can see on my, on my just my audio podcast, mm-hmm. the uh, Podbean, I can tell how many people, because it records or keeps track of how many listens mm-hmm. for that episode. Mm-hmm. And I guess I can do that on YouTube. But I'm kind of curious to, because this will be the very first YouTube podcast, as to whether we will get the same number of listens as we would from the audio version. Probably not, because the audio has been around for a while. There's right. a certain number of people who follow it and so forth, which if you do follow it, thank you so much. I do appreciate it. The So I'm curious how this is going to go, because I do plan on, I'm still going to do audio-only podcasts, okay. but I do want to bring in the visual because you don't get a feel for especially someone who's in the philippines or in south africa or england listening to a podcast if the performer or the the musician who i'm interviewing does not have a website has no online presence really Mm -hmm. i'm someone who likes to see the person i want to put the face you know what i mean So this is another way of, of uh, making a connection, I guess, is the way I look at it. And um, in terms of podcasts, um, I will bring up interesting topics on YouTube and not look at them, but listen to them. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, they have that option as well. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. So I want to thank you folks for listening, whether you're listening just the audio version or the YouTube visual version. Right. And uh, we're yeah, going to do. We're going to come back, and I'm going to get an opportunity to interview you, sir. That's going to be great. 
<laughs> think think of how many hits that'll get. That'll get a, that'll get a lot of hits. <laughs> you know that. Zero. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> They're not interested in the host. They're interested in the no, guests. No, but the host is the performer, is is a creative artist. And there you have lots of stories. And I'm sure people would love to hear about the big kahuna. The big kahuna, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. That's for another day. Yes. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. This is my buddy Ralph. My name's Todd Middle Initial C Walker. And we'll see you soon. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> that was fun.